Welcome back to Kansas. Welcome back. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. We're going to leave that in. We're going to roll. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. How are you, Alex? I'm doing fine. I don't know what the heck that was, but it came right out. And I liked it. Oh my goodness. What have you been up to, Alex? So a lot of things, a lot of interesting things going on in my life. But most recently, I went on a vacation. And it was kind of the first family vacation we've been on. We went to Cabo. Sarah and I went to Cabo last year. Um, And I think I've talked before about how crazy it is to me that Charlie had never been on a plane before. She had never seen the ocean before. She had never touched the ocean before. I mean, all of these things that she's never done. And by the time I was her age, I had done all of that stuff quite a bit. The other thing that we learned about Charlie is that she really hasn't been out to eat very much either because COVID kind of kept her from going out a lot. And we didn't really ever get back in the grain of going out as much as we did pre-COVID. And that's probably a good thing, honestly, for for our health. So we took Charlie on this vacation. We got all sorts of cute pictures of her on the flight. And she was great on the flight. She loved all of that. Uh, We went to San Diego, stayed on Coronado Island at the Hotel Del Coronado. If you've never been to the Hotel Del Coronado, it is a spectacularly beautiful, historical landmark of a resort. Um, I mean, amazing, like a perfect experience for me. I like all of that kind of stuff. It's interesting though, four-year-olds don't care. Hmm. And so (laughs) they're not bougie like Alex. They didn't care at all. So we went to the zoo on the first day and we went to Sesame Place on the second day. And then we ran out of interesting things to do with our four-year-old. So, uh, and eating, going out to eat was a constant challenge. So Sarah and I went to this super nice hotel, nice resort, had a great time for six days, which is too long. And we didn't get to really relax at all. Of course, this is our first vacation with a child. We should have known better. People tried to tell us, we tried to tell them that our kid was different, our kids worse. And so um, that's, that's how it was. So anyway, now Sarah and I need a vacation from the vacation. Mm-hmm. So we're working on figuring out, uh, something out for a weekend getaway. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, my child is now nine, almost 10. While he can take care of himself to a certain extent, vacations still aren't relaxing. We still have not had a relaxing vacation as a family. I still come home needing a vacation from the vacation. Um, what was the problem with the food? Was it finding things that she likes to eat? Was it sitting yes. still? What, what, what was no. the issues with her? This well, sitting still was hard for the first and she got used to that. And I have to, I need to be careful here. Cause actually she started doing very well and started being very cute and like ordering for herself and stuff, but she won't eat anything now, which is weird. She used to be kind of my foodie mm-hmm. child, which was awesome. She won't eat anything now other than macaroni and cheese and uh, maybe a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the only two things that she wanted to eat. And yep. then this little punk is the word I'll use. Uh, she got picky about the kind of macaroni and cheese. It's like, what, what do you oh. think? What on earth 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand children, apparently. Mm. But yeah, she got picky about the type of cheese that, that needed to be on the macaroni and cheese, mm-hmm. got picky about the burger. She wouldn't eat the burger if it was too thick. And I'd be like, well, let's just squeeze it down just a little bit. And she's like, it's, it was too thick though. Right. I'm not eating it. It was too thick. I swear to God, this child might Same not mass is that. still there, dad. Same huh? mass. Same mass. You've just, you've just scrunched it, but it's the same mass. It didn't change. Well, I know it's the same mass, but it'll fit in her she mouth. She knows that. What her issue is. I, she doesn't understand mass. She does. She just taught you. It's the oh same my dad. gosh. She didn't. I understand. She just made him whatever. I don't, I don't know. I thought she was nuts, but we had a great time, made some wonderful memories, also had a very stressful time and made some memories that will be fun to look back on later on, but aren't so fond right now. Understood. Um, also <laughs> my child who used to be a fairly good eater, there was a period of time in his life, maybe between two and three where he was a good eater. Yeah. Um, to this day, we'll only eat craft macaroni and cheese. Like yes. if it's an off brand, no, or if it's Velveeta or it's Rotel or the oh. circle uh, rotini pasta, we are not going anywhere near it. If it's not Kraft macaroni and cheese, there is a serious problem. And he'll only That's like true. chicken nuggets and maybe a taco, but maybe not. But taco was just going to be meat and cheese, nothing else. Like yeah, tacos are a non, they're, they're <sighs> a non-starter. Oh, that's only been since he was eight. So it's only like in the last year and a half that he started having tacos, but that's because he was at a friend's house. That's what everybody else ate. So to fit in, he had to have that. So it doesn't get better apparently with age. It's craziness. I that's ate like everything. Food. I, I ate food at that age. I was eating all of the food, like yeah. junk food. He wouldn't even eat junk I was, food. I was told if you don't eat this, you're not going to eat. Right. This, and, and then I was also taught this person made this food for you. Don't be a jerk. Right. Which I, I've tried to tell her that for some reason it doesn't go over very well. So she don't care. <laughs> mine doesn't care. My, mine will just starve. And then at bedtime, he'll go to, he's got a tub of snacks. He'll just go get a package of like the little gummies out and he'll just eat some gummies. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not happening. Why can't our children be as rational as you and I were when we were four? I even try to bribe my child with ice cream. Like we have like all the whole like line of little Debbie's ice creams. Yeah. Star crunch is really good by the way. And so is the, uh, the nutty, nutty, nutty buddy, nutty butters, whatever they are. The, the really good too. Um, I like, if you even try one bite of what mom and dad are eating, you can have some ice cream. He's like, no, I don't want to try it. Like, bribes don't even work. Like I've just lost control of my entire family. I don't understand. Well, what are you up to? Nothing. And I like it. We recently went back and discovered that I had not been home more than 10 days straight since August. And the last four weeks before that, I hadn't been home more than 48 hours at a time. And that was four weeks straight. And now I'm home for three weeks until I head back to Washington, D.C., which is funny because our guests today are going to be uh, Derek Ramsey and Jeff Carson, our uh, legislative staff for KCRAR. And friends of talk- the show. Yes, frequent guest of the show. And they're going to talk about uh, legislative meetings we just had in Washington, D.C., but because the House was on recess, we did not get to meet with everybody. So the Missouri Realtors leadership team is making a special trip out to D.C. so that we can we didn't get to meet with Josh Hawley. And we didn't get to meet with like Sam Graves and some other people. So we're going to go out and have special one-on-one meetings with them. But that's the next time I travel is like June 7th-ish. We'll be 
right after this podcast comes out and like, I'm home. It's like today, my son had a, um, awards assembly out at school. And I was like, I can be there. And I got there and the parents go, Whoa, you're at something. And I was like, I know I'm in town. That's crazy. Right. So. Well, it is funny that you're going back to DC because yeah, we just hung out with Derek and Jeff in DC. Just got back. And I'm excited to hear their take on how the conference went and everything that, uh, that was discussed up there. It's always a fun conference. I had a good time. I, I always enjoy DC and, you know, I like this year we were at a whole new place, new venue. We were over in Virginia, but next year we go back and we're going to be right by the Capitol, a whole, another brand new venue, but I will we're learning say, all over again. I was apprehensive about the new location. Yep. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. It was, I loved how close everything was to it. Yep. it and you know, it wasn't that far from DC. No. It wasn't far from Alexandria. I kind of liked it more because we got to experience more of that metro area. Yeah. And it was, it was so cool. I had a yeah. blast. But it was a one-time thing because next year we're going uh, Marriott Marquis. That's right by the Capitol. So I don't know that I need to do it again. But it, but I, it's I, a brand I, new hotel too. So I think it'll be, it'll be nice. Good. And we're going to be by the Capitol. And there's always stuff to do by the Capitol. So awesome. Well, be good? Hey, do you have a, there's a thing we do. <gasps> Do you, are, are we doing it? Are we doing we the thing we so do? We're so doing it. Wow. That could totally be taken out of context. We are going to do the thing that I do on the podcast. And that's the only thing we're doing. Thank you. You're welcome. You asked the question. Well, you took it far. Well, Nobody, that's what I do. Have you met me? I have the I mind of a 13 year old boy. That's why my any, friends like me. No realtors have minds in the gutter. I don't understand where, why you would even think that any of them would think anything of that. We all do. Do, 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 Bobby's book. Bit. Casey. All right. Book bit. We are going to do today. And I cannot believe I've not done this book because I use video clips from her all the time. We're doing the five second rule by Mel Robbins. So the book is a, Simple tool that undercoats, undercoats, yeah, it undercoats, or it undercuts the psychological weapons your brain employs to keep you from taking action, which allows you to procrastinate less, live happier, and reach your goals. So my quote from the book is, you can't control how you feel, but you can always control how you act. I feel like that's a conversation I have with my child all the time. Can't control your emotions, but you can control how you react to the things that happen to you. So the three life lessons from the book is lesson number one is that the five second rule builds courage like compounding interest. When we read stories about our heroes or biographies of our historical figures, we tend to see people of extraordinary courage and bravery, but that's not the case. They were just as shy, anxious, and afraid as you and I. It just so happened that throughout their life, they made a lot of small, courageous choices that added up. And now that's all we remember about those people. So from small acts of courage, more courage will follow. The second lesson from the book is you can stop waiting for the right time because it will never come for three reasons. And the three reasons why the right time will never come is that number one, change is always new. The second thing is it always comes with uncertainty. And the third part of it is that it's always scary. So whether 
you want things that you don't have, it's always going to require new, scary, and uncertain things. So stop putting it off and just get it over with because it's always going to feel the same no matter when you wait for the right time. And the third lesson is feelings are just suggestions, which is why you should use psychological intervention to override them. You know, it talks about choosing good behavior and good feelings will follow. So stop just trying to overthink everything and just get in there and do it. Five second rule is you got five seconds to make a decision and then just do it. Whatever you decide, just do it. So five second rule, Mel Robbins, highly recommend the book. That's my book bit. Great book bit, Bobby. Are we ready to bring on Jeff and Derek? We are totally ready to go bring on Jarek, Jarek and Jeff. I can't even talk anymore. Jarek and Jeff. Derek. I'm just, we should just blend them together. They should be Dareth. Oh, Dareth. Yeah, that's pretty good. They're like Benifer. It's Dareth. Wow, that's cute. The UMKC Realtor Leadership Academy is a seven-month program that brings three core themes into the classroom, industry context, regional leadership, and practice management. KCRIR partnered with the UMKC, the Henry W. Block School of Management to develop this curriculum specifically for realtors to gain new skills and knowledge specific to the business of real estate. Plus, you get to be a root, which I am a root. So that's your way of telling everybody you are a graduate of the Leadership Academy. Alex, I am. why are you glad you attended the Academy? I made so many great friends during that time. And we all know that anytime you're doing anything like this, one of the best parts of it are the relationships. And so I think we maybe had 14 or 15 people in my class. And uh, I got to know so many incredible people who I knew in the industry, I knew of them, but to actually get to know them better and uh, have projects that I had to do with these people, I had to meet with them outside of class as well to make sure that our quote unquote homework got done. Uh, I mean, you just built really strong relationships. So that's the number one reason that I'm glad uh, that I went through it. The, the other reason I'm glad is because I, I really did get some really interesting um, insight from really incredible thought leaders in, in our industry. So I really do think that it shaped the way that I think about our industry and uh, I think it changed the landscape of my career in a way that I don't know that I expected it to. So I, I'm really grateful for the experience. So if you're interested in applying for the UMKC Realtor Leadership Academy, go to www.kcrar.com forward slash Leadership Academy to learn more. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR, and we are here with our guests, Derek Ramsey and Jeff Carson, KCRAR, awesome legislative staff. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. You're some of our most repeated guests because, well, I guess we love you so much. We, we appreciate that. Good to see you all. It's yeah, good to great, see you. Great to be back. A distance. It's all good. All right. So we just got back from D.C. and our legislative meetings, even though I still want to call them mid-year. What were some of our priorities as a national association that we talked about during these meetings? Yeah, so, so this year was all about uh, inventory and supply. Um, you know, what we're facing in Kansas City, everyone across the country is facing, and um, we're looking to 
our leaders in Washington to try and uh, uh, provide a little assistance to uh, kind of clean up some of the, uh, the, the inventory, produce uh, some more supply and, and, and really get the affordability uh, under control. Uh, bills like the Housing Supply and Affordability Act, the Neighborhood Homes Investment Act, um, the Greater Revitalization of Shopping Centers Act, the Revitalizing Downtown Act. Um, they all have these, these grand names and, um, and all will, will help in some fashion to um, increase supply, uh, free up some inventory. Um, like everything, the question is how to pay for it. Um, unfortunately, nothing's really moving right now in DC, but uh, we did meet with our representatives, our senators, um, presented the, the talking points. Our NAR staff is there on a daily basis trying to push these priorities. Um, and so that was the, the overriding message that we, uh, that we delivered to our members of Congress. Yeah, it seems like it was about affordability, attainability, inventory, and fair housing. And it's unfortunate sometimes when you go to D.C., you, feel, you almost feel like nothing ever gets moving in D.C. But uh, does it prevent us from going there and taking the message that we, that we took and hopefully making some headway in some way, uh, even if it's little steps along the way? Well, and one of our Hill visits wasn't able to be in D.C. this year. You guys got to meet with uh, Sharice Davids on Tuesday. Is that right? Yes, the House was the House was on recess. So uh, we met with in Kansas. We met with met with Senator Roger Marshall and Senator Jerry Moran. And uh, we have scheduled uh, in district meetings with uh, our, our representatives. And yes, uh, Congresswoman Sharice Davids was in our office on Tuesday. And so we had a great meeting with her and uh, she's always very positive. She has a hundred percent voting record with the realtors. So she's been very supportive of our issues uh, during her freshman uh, freshman's term in Congress. And so we enjoy her being here. And uh, I think what's fun about listening to her is she really listens to us. I mean, the entire time she was up front with Andrew, she was writing down, taking down her own notes. She wasn't relying on staff person to write these things down. She was literally taking her own uh, notes and coming back with questions. So it was, uh, it's, it's, it's nice when you see that because it, it seems like she's really taking an interest in our issues. It always feels like she's wanting to learn more about what we're dealing with. And Absolutely. she doesn't come off as somebody who's going to pretend like she's already heard everything that we've already said, that we've said. Yep. And I always appreciate hearing her. I'm curious if you were going to talk to somebody who has never been on a Hill visit before, what would you tell them to expect and what advice would you give them? Because I think there, there are a lot of people who are intimidated by that process and they, they shouldn't be. I mean, those people are there to listen to us. We are their constituents, right? Uh, they're there to uh, help us and to advocate for us. So what would you tell people who are maybe a little bit intimidated by the process? Uh, what should they expect? Um, and are they welcome to come on this trip at some point and, and help us with these Hill visits? Absolutely. You know, the, the more the merrier. I, I would say, you know, with our delegation, both on the Missouri and the Kansas side, they're, they're very welcoming. They're always glad to, uh, to meet with us, even if we can't get, uh, you know, the full time with the, uh, the member of Congress or the Senator. Um, we get great time with their staff. We, uh, Jeff and I's job is to follow up with their staff with any questions that the, the Congressman or the Senator may have had. 
Um, but it's really those, the, those stories that our members bring to the table that, that resonate with the members of Congress. Again, Jeff and I can talk numbers and, and, and budgets and such with, with their staff, but the congressmen, the senators want to hear how that works back in their district. What are the homeowners in their district facing? What can they do as, as federal elected officials to, uh, to help ease the burden, help uh, you know, with supply, with inventory, uh, just help people achieve the American dream? And, and that's where uh, the value of our members in D.C. really comes in. And, you know, when I was federal political coordinator to Congressman Yoder a few years ago, I always tried to get people set up with their stories. Um, you know, my job as the FPC was to introduce the topics, talk to them about the bills that are out there. But then I tried to go around the room and have people tell the stories of what it really means to a homeowner or a home buyer in the third congressional district, why it's important and what it does. I mean, that's what they need to hear. They need to hear how it impacts the people that live in their district and who vote in their district. So I think that's what's the most impactful. And I, I just try to tell members, first of all, yes, the more the merrier, we want you there. Those stories are the ones that make the most impact. I'd, I'd like to say it's all about me. It's all about Derek and the FPCs, but really it's about the stories that are told around that room are the ones that make the most impact. Yeah, I know. I think for people that have never been involved in this, when we talk about the NAR annual meeting that happens every year in November, people can have a pretty good idea of how a convention or a conference goes. But when we start talking about the legislative meetings, it's nothing like a regular conference in any way, shape or form. Yeah, there's some NAR committee meetings that go on, but there's just a different mindset and there's a different vibe. And there's like mid-year meetings, legislative meetings, whatever you want to call them, are my favorite that I go to every single year of anything that I attend. Talk to us a little bit, those people that have ever been involved before, which are of the process of what a capital visit, but talk about the entire meeting and what the focus is. Because we I realized I just jumped into saying, what were our legislative priorities? Well, if nobody's ever been to one of these meetings, what are you talking about as far as a legislative priority? And how does all of this work? How does NAR and Missouri and Kansas come together to get our voice heard through what we do there? You know, Bobby, that's a good question. And, and I look at... By the way, mid-year legislative, whatever you want to call them, is my favorite meeting and has been for more than 20 years. I think the vibe is different because I think it's it's a working vibe. I think when we go to D.C., I think we all feel like we're working. Um, the fall meetings are a little bit different. There's a little bit there's a little bit more of a fun factor, those kinds of things. But I think. I think everybody kind of looks at it that we have work to do in Washington. And so that vibe is completely different that these are our priorities and we have a message to convey and we, it's our job to get up on the Hill and convey that message. So to me, it's, it's one of work. My, my wife always says, why are you so exhausted when you come back from Washington? And I said, you don't, I said, I'm working literally from seven in the morning until midnight every day for those four days. And, And that's really what it feels like. Well, and I think the vibe is different because D.C. is different. Um, you know, it is, um, as Jeff said, we, we show up, we, we meet with everyone we can meet with. We bring as many members as, as we can. Um, but there's always something going on in D.C. Uh, you know, when we were there this last time, uh, Monday evening, the uh, uh, Roe v. Wade leak dropped. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be on the Hill that evening. And we wandered over to the Supreme Court building where, uh, you know, the protesters were already starting to mount on both sides. Um, So there's always 
I mean, I wouldn't necessarily categorize that as exciting, um, but there's always something going on. There's always uh, a new adventure, um, a new uh, thing to explore when you're in DC. And, and, and so, it, it, you know, the fun never ends. It's just, uh, as Jeff said, we are on from, from 7 a.m. to midnight. And, uh, and, and so are our members. They, they work very hard alongside us to uh, make sure that uh, our members of Congress understand why we're there. Well, I think, too, the, the whole historical significance of that city, mm-hmm. I mean, as you drive down the streets and you look at the buildings and the things that go on, I think it kind of makes you stand, sit a little taller, walk a little taller, uh, those kinds of things, because you look at the history and then you, you look at these things like the, the, the protesters and you see all this on the news and, you, you know, we watch it every night, but just be there and to see it and to live it, it it's completely different. I, I, I always tell everybody, if you ever have a chance to go to Washington, take that opportunity and go. And at every meeting I, I attend, I try to encourage people to come to the legislative meetings in May because they are by far the best. You know, talking about being there and being a part of history happening Oftentimes, while we're there, like the things you see on national news are happening right there in front of us. You know, Derek, you gave a great example of while we were there, the the Roe v. Wade leak happened. And that even like without getting political or taking sides in all of this, even though we're talking about political things and talking about D.C., is while we were there at Missouri, we had a luncheon scheduled with uh, Senators Roy Blunt and Josh Hawley. Um, Just knowing the political sides, knowing the protesters, knowing everything that happened. Roy was still able to come join our luncheon because, because of security concerns. Josh Hawley was not able to leave his office building and, and come out. And it's like that was affecting us in real life in Missouri. And it brought to life some of these things that are happening nationwide aren't just so far away. They're a part of our daily lives and what we're going back. Um, I want to take a quick step back just so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Um, talking about the legislative priorities that we have, you know, this year, talking about housing affordability, uh, talking about supply issues. Derek, you mentioned a couple of bills, but Derek or Jeff, can you talk a little bit about what any of those bills, how they propose to help housing uh, supply or help, help affordability or any of that as opposed to just giving bill names? Can we talk a little bit about what those bills are supposed to do? Yeah, so... Um, <sighs> It's supposed to do is, is, is a good way to put it. Um, they each try to get at the inventory and supply question from a little bit different angle. Um, you know, we, we work very closely with our local HVA and we hear from them uh, all the struggles that their members are having, uh, finding subcontractors, getting, uh, getting uh, you know, materials in, uh, just getting a home uh, completed on, on the schedule and delivered on the time that, that, that they promised. Um, so, so it goes to kind of the supply chain issues, which are faced in every industry. And housing is, is uh, uh, having that issue as well to, to a great degree. Um, and, and we're learning more as, as this problem uh, keeps getting worse. Um, the, um, you know, I think, I think the challenge is how do you find something that's a little more ready-made? And that's what a lot of these bills are, are, are facing with, um, uh, you know, the commercial properties are, are changing somewhat. The use, uh, you know, companies don't need uh, 10,000 square feet for their, uh, for their office staff anymore. Some companies aren't even back in the office and may never be. So Congress is trying to find incentives 
to convert those properties into residential, perhaps into some low-income housing, uh, some uh, temporary homeless facilities, things like that, to partner with the local organizations, local cities, counties, municipalities, uh, to find short-term and long-term solutions to the housing crisis that we're facing right now. There's no silver bullet that's going to change it. But um, I think Congress is doing what they can through the four bills I mentioned, and there are other efforts going on behind the scenes to really try and, and, and help the cities address those concerns because it's, it's a nationwide problem. And I think we're going to have to be creative in the approach to the solutions uh, to, to fix the situation. Um, I, and I think that is at the national level, state level, and the local level. I think, and even in our industry as realtors, I think we're going to have to look at housing in different ways. I mean, you know, I look at the Cerner building over in my neck of the woods by the legends that was vacated uh, during the pandemic. I mean, that would be a great apartment complex, uh, you know, condos, those kinds of things. Uh, I think we're going to have to look at manufactured housing in a different way. I think we have to stop turning our nose up at the different other types of housing and start embracing those if we're going to want to make sure that we are providing access and attainability to as many people as possible. Not everybody is able to afford the average sales price of a home in Johnson County right now. It, it just isn't going to happen. And we're going to have to look and we need to be part of the solutions uh, for our consumers. Absolutely. I, I think that it's really important that this, and I want to be a little bit careful about how I say it, but this work and what we were doing at the legislative conference, right? Um, and, and the work that you guys help us do and that RPAC helps us do, I mean, it really makes it so that we're not just glorified middlemen. If we're just glorified middlemen in this industry, that doesn't work. That's not valuable. We have to, we have to start looking at ourselves as um, housing providers in a, in a certain way. You can't just be the person in between. Are you providing, are you working toward providing people an avenue to become uh, wealthy or just to attain their, uh, uh, the American dream to provide a better life for their family? I mean, are you giving, are, are you working to make sure that that's attainable at all? And if we're not, we're completely doing a disservice to our own livelihood. We're doing a disservice to our neighbors and we're doing a disservice to our country as a whole. If we don't fix this problem, if we don't figure out how to fix the affordability issue on housing in the United States, I mean, there are wars, uh, not to be alarmist, but there are wars that have been fought for less things. You can't have that kind of disparity long-term. And so uh, this kind of work, what we do, the kind of conversations that we have with these people, it's super important. And unfortunately, and I'll be the person to say it, I don't necessarily know that the, the, everybody that's in DC or anybody, everybody that's in Topeka or everybody that's in Jeff City really understands the weight that this should have on their hearts because it is a weight that their constituents have on theirs. I couldn't agree more. I, when I teach classes, I, I try to leave everybody with the, um, the feeling that what we do is important and, and they need to get better at telling 
the story to the people that we work with. I don't think people really appreciate what realtors do. They see what we do in their individual transaction. They see us, you know, here and there doing inspections and appraisals and those types of things to assist them getting in or out of a home. They don't see the background work. And that's, when I say background, it's also backbreaking work to make sure that this country continues to move forward so that everybody has a chance. Not everybody's going to, to be able to, to attain it, but to at least have that chance to have their slice of the American dream. And uh, Absolutely. If, I, if I talk anymore, I'll probably get choked up about it because what we do is really important and it. It's true. I got to stop. It's the hardest and most important part of what we do. The commission checks are nice, yeah. but the hardest and most important part of what we do is to make sure that this is something that continues to be not just a great business to be in, but continues to be an avenue for wealth generation and for setting people up right. And uh, we have to keep, keep that up. So thank you guys for everything that you do. But I, what, what we also need to know, what kind of local and state issues and, and the, the priorities that you guys have uh, on the table there, uh, what else are we working on at the local and state level? Well, I know one of the big ones in Kansas right now is the co-living ban that was just brought up in Shawnee. I think that's something that we're certainly going to have to pay attention to and watch to see what happens with that and participate in those types of discussions. I mean, currently Shawnee just put a ban on any unrelated people that live together, any, any groups of four or more. And uh, those have a lot of consequences. We talk about affordable housing. Well, sometimes it takes four people to live in one Johnson County home to be able to all to be able to afford to live there. Um, I think that decision that was made has some really far reaching consequences, especially to our younger folks um, who are just starting out. And I, I think we're going to have to have a seat at the table when uh, these kinds of discussions are trying to uh, make their way into other 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 communities. Uh, you know, it was said, and I, I certainly did not say this, but I heard it said uh, while I think we were at the mid-year meetings, if you don't want affordable housing in your backyard, you're going to have homeless people in your front yard. And we need to start thinking about that. And we need to start having these discussions because where are people supposed to live? Uh, I had some statistics on in Shawnee, for example, the average price of a home shot up 40% uh, in Shawnee in the last year, but, but wages didn't increase by 40%. In the last year. So what are people supposed to do? We've got to get creative. And we certainly can't uh, turn our backs on them and start creating restrictions for people to just survive and have a place to live. It, it, so it on the, to me, uh, I might mention on the, while we're talking about affordability at the local level, uh, just yesterday afternoon, there was a hearing in Kansas City, Missouri, on the uh, uh, IECC codes, the uh, environmental codes for, for building instruction. And that's a process that cities go through every couple of years, um, working with professional staff, working with uh, the home builders, our organization, um, environmentalist organizations. We often come up with uh, uh, you know, some pretty good uh, steps to take to increase efficiency in, in construction commercially and residentially. Uh, this year, for some reason, the council just introduced the IECC 2021 codes verbatim and decided we were going to have all these conversations in public 
which is fine um, and, until you, you know, turn on the TV at night and, and every one of those elected officials is jumping in front of the camera, um, claiming that, that we have to do everything we can to get people into homes and, and decrease the homeless population um, and, and really promote home ownership in our community. At the same time, they introduce a code that by most estimates will increase the cost of housing uh, new construction by about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per unit, in a time when we can't house the people who need it currently. So, it's it, it's it's being on top of those kind of issues, working with our partners at the HBA and others to make sure that we're at the table. I've I've got a call with one of the sponsors this afternoon to talk about what they're thinking and how we can reach some sort of compromise because, you know, again, we are sort of the last line of defense when it comes to affordability. And you can say the word affordability all you want. If you don't work for it, it's not going to happen. So I, I have a shirt from Habitat for Humanity that says Kansas City needs affordable housing. And I wear it all over the country at different conventions. And I always have people stop me. This is my city needs affordable housing too. And it's like, yes, that's, that's the whole point of the t-shirt is like, if Kansas City needs affordable housing, the entire country needs affordable housing because we're low cost of living supposedly here. I think this is just a greater characterization of what's happening in our entire country right now. Just how divided that everybody is, is that we we're banning people who are not related from living with each other. When quite frankly, the people I'm not related to, actually, I'd prefer them as family sometimes to the people that are my family that I'd rather live with those people. But we're creating this this area where these people can't live together. There's not affordable housing for them. Yet the other side of the spectrum is houses selling for record levels and people paying all cash from them. The the divisiveness we have on like every issue in this country, but housing is just even the characterization of all of that coming together as one. And I just, I don't know how we get over everything. Like the energy in this country just sucks right now. And we just need to like start all over again. Throw the baby out with the bathwater and just start all over again. Some days is what I feel like. I can give you a couple of a little more heartwarming examples of things that we were able to, to accomplish in Jeff City this year. Um, thanks to our, our state association, our lobbyist, Sam Licklider. Um, you know, just like in DC, it's difficult to uh, get anything across the finish line. The, the process is set up to uh, not succeed. And in most cases, that's, that's a good thing. We often spend much more of our time defeating bad ideas than supporting good ones. But two things uh, that we did support this year in Jeff City, I'd mentioned, um, Missouri Association of Realtors was the first uh, trade association, the first corporate organization to support the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act or MONA. Um, unfortunately, that did not get across the finish line. There were, there were three bills this year, two in the House and one in the Senate. Um, so, so that's more than we've seen in the past. But um, we, you know, continue to, to talk about uh, discrimination and housing, discrimination in jobs, discriminations in every form. Um, and I know the sponsors of the bills were very appreciative uh, of the Missouri Realtors stepping up and, and supporting that effort. And we will continue to do so and, and, until we get it across the finish line. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention that did get passed um, is uh, mandatory removal of restrictive covenants in, um, in, in, in deed filings. So um, restrictive covenants, discrimination on, on uh, you know, a, number of, a number of characteristics have been illegal for years, 
but there's not an easy mechanism to remove them from neighborhood covenants um, when, you, uh, when you file a deed. So this creates a requirement that that be done. It creates a process for that to be done. And so we can get rid of all of these um, unenforceable covenants uh, that have been uh, just clouding title and, and, and really a black eye on, on the state of Missouri and housing uh, for decades. So two things that, that I think are, are very, uh, not only pro-housing, but pro-public um, and, and, and just, just the right things to do. And I'm really uh, really glad that our state association was able to uh, uh, support those and, 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 and will continue to work to, uh, to, to get them across the finish line. Yeah, I was really excited when we got news that the restrictive covenants finally that passed. And I know Mona, we've been trying to pass for 20 some years now, but we're finally getting so close that I know it's going to happen in another year or two. We're finally going to get that one passed, but it's like, just keep watching, just keep, we'll get there. Um, we're coming up towards the end of our time and we want to be respectful with your guys' time the rest of the day. What else should we be talking about in regards to legislative priorities or what the local state and national associations are doing um, for our industry and for the um, community as a whole? I, th I think on the Kansas side, we, we've got some work to do on a couple of bills that we did not get across the finish line this past year. One was the unlicensed activity legislation. I think we have to do a better job in the upcoming session next year about explaining why this is important. I think at the end of the day, what the message that came back from legislators or how they viewed our legislation, excuse me, or KREX legislation was that somehow this was a way to that wealthy realtors uh, are the only ones to be able to make money on wholesaling or by keeping um, limiting or keeping out innovative business practices, you know, out of the market. And so I think we have to come up with a better story to, to, to tell uh, next year. And then the other one is also uh, home inspector industry legislation. We got bogged down in a very, um, just an ugly bill that we, that we actually put forward. I think we're going to have to sit down and really rewrite that, come up with something that I think even as a group, that we can support. I, Alex, you were there at the hearings with me. And I think when we heard it, I think we were a bit, we, we ourselves were dismayed. And I think we were looking at each other saying, there's no way this is going to pass. So if the people that brought it to the table are in the audience saying this isn't going to pass, you know, what do you think our chances are? So we have some work to do in 2022 to get ready for 2023. And I think um, for me, that was a real eye opener to be at the Capitol and see that we need to look at our processes and we need to work together and and uh, come up with a, a better path to get these bills across the finish line. And what an incredible experience that was. I, put, putting aside the the result and the fact that we weren't necessarily happy with our own bill, what an incredible experience to sit at the Kansas State Capitol and sit on, on that hearing and see that process play out. I'm not necessarily going to say that it was a positive experience because the way that you see people discuss these things could upset your stomach just a little bit. I, we're talking about something that should not have any vitriol associated with it at all. And yet you can see the political infighting and how, you know, almost 
hateful they can be toward one another, the looks that they give toward one another when they say things and you're, you're watching their behavior and you feel like you're watching some really bad TV show where all of these people in Topeka have this inflated sense of importance. It's so strange to me. And even with that inflated sense of importance, they don't take their job as seriously as they should. I'm just throwing that out there. I know that that's not always true for all of them. It might be a general statement, but it was really interesting to watch it. It was sad in a way. It was. And, but you know, the, the fun part for me about that whole thing, as sad as it was, the fun part was sitting in that room with our members, with you, with Angela, with the other folks that attended that meeting so that we could all take that in together and look at the work that we need to do. So when we come back, we're better prepared. Makes you feel good about realtors and how good we are at getting things done and working together. And I, and I mean that. Yeah. It certainly showed. It certainly showed what we do, and maybe, maybe we would be better in Topeka or Jeff City than some of the folks that are currently there. I mean, we we tend to negotiate better. We tend to try to look for that win-win, and unfortunately, we just don't see that Topeka, Jeff City, and in Washington. Uh, what's coming up is uh, elections. So, twenty twenty two is an election year, which um, hopefully all of our our members are aware of. Um, if you plan on voting in the August primary. Uh, you have to register in Missouri by July 6th and in Kansas by July 12th. All of that information is on the Secretary of State's website. Alex, you mentioned RPAC earlier. Um, RPAC is very important to, to our advocacy efforts. And one of the things that we will be doing is getting our trustees together, looking at our, our candidates at the uh, local and state levels uh, here in August and November and making contributions to those who support home ownership, private property rights, uh, and all the good work that our members do. So, um, and, and I'll, I'll ask Jeff to talk about uh, a little event that, uh, that we're planning coming up on August 18th. Ooh. Yes, the, our RPAC American Dream Auction. Uh, this year, it's going to be, uh, as Derek said, on August 18th, we're going to have it at the Monarchs Stadium at the Legends. We've rented the entire facility. We're going to have an exhibition softball game and uh, with realtors and we're, we're planning a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have our auction. We're actually going to do the auction down on the field. Uh, we'll have the jumbotron. We'll have all of the typical music and things like that that go along with a baseball game. All of our food is going to be baseball fair. So uh, we hope that our members will show up and uh, we're going to have a really comfortable, fun evening. We're going to have a, uh, mustard ketchup relish run and I, all these fun things I, I, bobby's pointing me i want to be in that i want to be in that. you're going to be i want to be relish you're going to be on the field you will be on the field playing you will relish no that. i do not play you I want will to run as relish you want to relish the opportunity to beat derek and i in that run i think there we go want. so we we if we do that we may have to weigh you down or something bobby to give derek and i a little bit of an edge you know well, something like that. maybe we'll put alex on your back or something like that what? you have to <laughs> There we go. Softball is the one where it's kind of like baseball, but in order to get them out, you take the ball and you throw it at them as hard as you can and try to hit them with it, right? It's like dodgeball and baseball combined. You yes. know what? You guys are calling the shots. If that's how you want to play it, we, we can do that. Uh, I, we're bringing a tee out for those people that have a little harder time hitting. Uh, but uh, I think we're going to have a really fun evening. How about, uh, are you worried about the people that have a hard time hitting or the hard people that have a hard time pitching? Good Lord. I'm going to have a black eye. 
we'll have plenty of cameras. Uh, going. <laughs> my so money we'll, maker. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. This is how I make my money. I mean, th- this is it right here. Don't mess with this. <laughs> Everyone, no, make- he's pointing to his face right now. He's acting yeah. like he makes money with yeah. his face. I, I, this but is I how think I make my money. Voice. <laughs> Not All making right. as much as okay. I used to. <laughs> We've we've ran over with you guys, and that's okay. I'm really excited for the RPAC auction now, as long as I get to be relish. Also, the costume might be a little large, so that might hold me up a little bit. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, thank you guys for being our guest today. It's always fun having you both on here. You're good yin and yang to each other. So thank you for your time. We appreciate you, and we will see you soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Thank you for what you do as well.